0: Hi everybody, it's Ian King, athlete advocate, coach, educator, and founder of King Sports International. Today we have to chat with young Keith from Texas. Keith, how's it going? Good, thank you. Excellent, Keith, so keen to hear hear your story. There's a few things that intrigue me about uh, yourself, so I'm happy to take it chronologically, if that's okay with you. So how did you get involved in sport?
1: with uh, just youth sports and then football predominantly um, and I just fell in love with it uh, and that's really it um, I got turned into uh, training through in high school I, you know spent enough time online and, and reading stuff and I just felt like the coaches didn't know very much um, so I told myself I was gonna go to college and and learn how to train people properly and, and be a teacher and a football coach. Um, and then along that line just kind of stayed
0: in uh, what I'm doing now, training individuals. So what years was that when you started looking at the internet? Like you said, looking at the internet and, and, and getting inside an insight into what people were doing and what they weren't doing. Say that again? What years was that when you said you started looking at the internet? That
1: was... Around two thousand one, two
0: 2001. So that was pretty much the when the internet was just getting traction as far as training information.
1: Yeah, it was it was the very beginning. Um, I, I also power lifted in high school, and um, just talking with other people, I was I would train at my high school gym, and then I would go. So another gym to continue training late into the evening, because um, I just assumed, you know, hey, the more work, the better. Um, but on the Palatine team, we competed every weekend. Um, so I would do okay the first couple of meets and by the time we would get to the end of the season, I was just shocked and I didn't understand, you know, what, what was the problem? Why couldn't I perform um, continuously? But, you know, our coach just, I don't know, he wasn't thinking, I guess. Well, nothing maximally every weekend.
0: Nothing, nothing better than facing personal challenges to help you become motivated to solve them. And when you solve the challenge for yourself, you you, you know how to solve them for other people. Then
1: agreed. Yeah, I think that was the start. The obsession with learning more and, and just performing better.
0: So, like many coaches who entered the industry post 2000, I'm, I'm pretty sure your career has been on a on a, on an interesting windy road. Um, and I say post 2000 because that's when the internet really did explode and whilst there's some really good stuff there, there was some also some interesting stuff and I use that as a euphemism for stuff that might have taken you off, um, off the, onto a different path. But um, what is your, what's your current services at Joffrey now? what What's the sort of work that you love to do? Um,
1: well, most of the work I, I, I get is really whatever I can get. Um, I would say the bulk of my clientele is um, working executives. Um, A lot of it's just getting people moving again, um, getting people passionate about health and movement. Uh, And then I also coach Olympic lifting, and I have several athletes that I do that for. Um, And that's pretty much the extent of my clientele right now. Um, And I've dabbled in just about
0: everything in the past. So your personal, your competitive experience is both in powerlifting and Olympic lifting. Yes. Excellent. So, tell us, you ended up in the KSI coaching program, and, and what was your, what was your first exposure to what I was teaching? Well, uh,
1: as far as the program itself, uh, it was kind of a, I was on Instagram and. Um, An individual, a physical therapist that also um, does a lot of stuff with Olympic lifting uh, had a post and and one of your coaches made a comment on the post about um, basically stretching and and quad dominance Um, and and I didn't really understand what you're saying. I went to his profile, started kind of reading around, saw that he followed you. then I tried to find more information about you and ended up on your website, and like, alright, well, I'm intrigued, I'll give the, and that's when I started the, um, the orientation level, and then I just couldn't stop
0: from there. Well, it was a, it was a brave of you to step up into the, the O-level program. What were your thoughts as you started the O-level program? Did you relate to it straight away, or was it a bit of a shock?
1: I knew, you know, I was, you know, we talked before, and I've, I had, you know, I having a lot of recurring hip and hip pain, I, I guess you could call it an injury. It, it, it stifled my training. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of the traditional things that people assume to prevent or fix these types of issues with absolutely no change. Um, I, I, was, I knew that I had from years of lungs lifting, my quads were incredibly tight. I walked around tight all the time. I, I just, I knew something wasn't right, but I always avoided stretching um, because everybody said, you know, it's gonna make you weaker or, uh, you know, it's gonna cause injury, yada, yada. And to me, it just sounded absurd. I was like, something's not right. I know I'm tight. Um, I would have, I, at one meet I had a Thomas test done and. I mean, you could, my leg couldn't even touch the table. It was just elevated. But, you know, there was nothing that anyone offered to address it. It's like, well, that's pretty bad. It's the worst tip I've ever seen. And it's like, well, what do I do with that information? Um, so I think I was kind of my wit's end and needed some. I was open to finding answers. Uh, and I think that was the big thing for me. I, I was more open-minded than normal just because I, I wanted to keep lifting and I needed to. An- a way to do so. Um, and your information and the information that I read on Instagram, just like, well, if he's saying it's okay, I'm going to give it a try. And I did,
0: and um, slow it, it started to improve, and I, I was sold at that moment. Yeah, great to hear. It's, it's a tough gig for those who came into um, understanding or, or studying or learning about training post-2000 because around about the mid-1990s, it was like a, a a switch was flicked that, that went from, no one really cared whether you stretched or not, it was none of, none of their business, but all of a sudden, mid, about mid-90s onwards, everybody's, it became everybody's business to prevent everybody else from stretching. You know, If you go around and you do, you're doing stretching, athletes will come up, coaches will come up to you and tell you you should stop it because it's bad, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't always that way. This is a post-mid-90s and a definitely post-2000 phenomenon, and you, and you came in through that. So you, you, I know you said you questioned it, you wondered if it was right, but... How do so many people get sucked into that belief? I mean, why is it that the masses around the world believe that and, and, and just stop stretching? Like you know, in the period of time in history where it was illegal to read books, or you know, periods of time in different countries where it was illegal to follow different religions, and you, know, you do so, you get locked up or killed. Um, you know, I understand uh, you know people getting locked up and killed and the fear of doing it for that reason. But why do people buy into this stretching's bad, don't do it thing?
1: Kind of the, the appeal to authority. I guess you just assume that these people that, um, you know, for me in my field was always the coaches were, you know, they trained so-and-so athlete or this is a physical therapist or, um, or these are people that are putting out tons of information on websites and have books and, and yada yada and, and they're telling you these things and you just assume, well, you know, if they're making this amount of this is how big they are, then they must be right. They must know more than me. Um, and then you just get little bits of information. You know, stretching makes you weak. And I think people that, you know, outside of the strength and performance, they don't, they hear that and they don't know enough anyway. But that that alone is enough to maybe say, well, I heard somewhere so-and-so say that it makes you weak, and I and they just stick to that. So the myth just. It just is so pervasive, yeah. and I, I think that's really hard to overcome. I, I, I think the myth is more pervasive than the reality. I mean, we, in your stuff that you've done and, and just a little bit that I've done following uh, your recommendations, I've seen improvement. Um, and it didn't take that long. I mean, it was maybe two weeks before I saw a positive change um, in my knees and hips. So, I mean, it's not, it doesn't take long, but I don't, most people I think are terrified of taking that initial step.
0: Um, no, I appreciate that insight. So, <laughs> from, from level, level zero, you were really quick into level one after that too, weren't you? Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't
1: stop. I just, all the little bits of information I wanted to no, know, no, no, it's, um, yeah, I, I just couldn't stop. It's too much good information.
0: And then it, it, as you said, you didn't stop there you did pretty quick you are into level two, and um, I'm pretty sure you saw some this is some step up there in terms of the, the the level of content and the the concepts being shared yeah my, without a
1: doubt I was I was really disappointed that I was unable to I had some other stuff going in life and I was unable to uh, get up to Park City, so that kind of slowed me down towards the end of level two um but, you know, I'm definitely planning on being there next year. Um, yeah, it's just – it's nice that the information builds on. Uh, at first, I found it a little, I found it frustrating. Uh, you know, and you talked about that before. Like, you can't have all these you, – you don't need all the information right away. You just need enough. Um, and it just keeps you going. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still – going back and sifting through it and and applying on levels and and just, it's really, uh, in in a lot of ways, just made me more excited about training again, Uh, because I was just frustrated, it just felt like I was spinning my wheels, but now I feel like, okay, this makes more sense, I have kind of a a guidepost to stick to, I think that's, that's important. You know, there's so much information coming out, of it's trash, um, but you can't help starting to question whether or not, hey, am I doing it right now? You know, there's so much stuff that just comes in and out. Different people telling you different things, and it's difficult. Um, You start questioning your own knowledge and things that you're doing, um, but it's just, just having that consistency in your you
0: know in your teaching and your lectures it's just that kind of holding on to that is definitely kind of cleared the field and made things a little easier yeah great to hear and it's our goal to give you the tools to objectively analyze all information and make a, a good decision and, and be objective about it give it an opportunity so you know i, I think we give an opportunity to, to to get clarity even while you might be testing new things it's certainly allows you to discard a lot of stuff and make it a bit easier because if you had to sift through every piece of information available on a plant you'd be there all day and um, you'd end up what Jim Rohn says you'd be end up um, studying the fruits rather than sorry studying the roots rather than picking the fruit and we want you to get some benefits and that's what you saw pretty quickly with the, my approach to injury prevention and rehabilitation so great stuff yeah looking forward to seeing you at Park City in what's it now 2020 is our next one um, it was a great camp there in 2019 but it'll be another great camp in 2020 so you won't be disappointed it's a phenomenal experience
1: yeah I'm excited here soon enough
0: uh, it's the attitude so the other thing that intrigued me too you mentioned uh, at some point in time that you got exposed to the limping article that I, uh, some of the work I wrote for an internet magazine back in the late 90s and early 2000s, when did you get that exposure? Uh,
1: well I was the uh a constant purveyor of T Nation, um, and, you know, I was just reading anything and everything I could find and I ran across those articles, probably pretty soon after you first published them. Um, and, you know, and, and like I, you know, sit in the last, uh, lesson, I, I just was, no, that's, that's absurd. You can't, body weight's not going to get you where you want to be, you know, it's, you need to be in the weight room, lifting as heavy as possible, as often as possible, um,
0: yeah, I just. So the unique thing for weird me, looking, looking back, yeah. So the unique thing for me is that you you were at the forefront of that when I first first published that in um, in in ninety nine on, on, on the T Mag and, and, obviously in my other publications prior to that, uh, that was the first time the concept of integrating body weight and unilateral exercises into conventional strength training was really promoted. Um, and, and as you said, so many people had said, you know, that's that's impossible, and rejected it. And in fact, I was pretty pretty proud of the editor even having the balls to publish it. But if you look at his his lead in his uh, disclaimer at the start, he had to you know feel feel the need to encourage people to give it a go and not be not just be skeptical and give it up. But uh, it's it's a trend that turned into the you know like the functional training movement, which is an embarrassment in itself. But it it's been overreacted. But it's certainly um, you're back at the forefront now. It's 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 a commonly accepted concept.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. It, you know, and you see people now. Everybody's doing unilateral stuff, body weight stuff. And no one questions it anymore. It's just no, that that's what blew me away when I, I thought about it at the end. Is like wow, it's how far we've come, and how far just my have come from where you you know i wasn't even willing to i don't think i read the second article i think i stopped on the first one um i was like yeah no i
0: don't know who this guy is but he didn't know what was talking about but it just shows you
1: know how much i knew no it's it's you're
0: good now everybody's doing it yeah i I love your honesty and that's what you know that's what happens when you come up with with the new ideas um the the three stages of truth which i talk about is there's a there's a rejection and a criticism or vice versa, and then there's a, well, we always knew it. It's always been that way sort of attitude, whereas, you know, the 20 years ago when those ideas started coming out in my articles, so it wasn't what everyone was doing. In fact, it was the last thing they wanted to hear about. Yeah, definitely. So other things like stretching all go through the same path. I mean, if you go back to my lines of movement concept, quad dominant, hip dominant, horizontal, push, pull, et cetera, um, you know, they weren't exactly immediately embraced when I started sharing them in the late 90s, but you know, everybody's an expert on them now. The, the, the sad thing is everyone thinks they know what they're doing, but no one seems to be doing it in the, in the way intended because if they did, they wouldn't be getting injured, and you're a great example of that. I mean, what, you, where did you first get exposed to the lines of movement concept?
1: I want to say it was probably one of the uh, another author on teenage chain, and not, you know I've seen people talk about it, like uh, it was gonna be Eric Kressy, maybe. Um, but yeah, just like you said, I, it, there's a lot of people that toss it around but don't really understand. Um, it's, it's just so much. After going through all the stuff that you you know, in all, the level one, level two and I can't help looking at programs now and they talk about it, and I just kind of, uh, you know, sigh and, and, and face-plant it, just some of the, just the ridiculousness of some of these people that are positing that that type of thing without any real understanding of what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, so you know how I feel, because it was, it was my baby, and, uh, you know, it's okay if people want to run around and teach it without referencing and crediting, but... But if they're teaching, they don't even understand it. They certainly don't live by it, and they, and they don't promote it in a, in a manner that's going to fulfil its potential with the end user. Then it's pretty sad to watch. And you know, just the, the, the proliferation or, or the, the amount of quad dominant exercises you see in some of these functional training books, and, and they're, they're teaching lines of movement concept, but they've got no idea. Um, it's just not serving. So I'm, I'm really, I get pretty happy when people come back to the source, like yourself, and. You know, learn from the person who created the concept and get the real message because if you don't get it, you don't get it You know, if you don't understand what was intended in that and other concepts then you're not going to get the benefits and it's tough to see the information out there but nobody benefiting from it, oh,
1: it, it, it it's like they just put it in the program talk about it but they don't apply it on any level I can't help, every time I see a program now, it's one of the first things that I kind of run through in my mind and, you know, I, I, I almost never see, you know, just like you mentioned, the the overabundance of, of quad down exercises. is just absurd. Um, and, and no one looking back at my, and I understand Olympic lifting is a huge part of that is, is the quads and the squatting strength, but I, I you know, and you read about everybody with chronic knee pain and, oh, taking out, you know, they train, you take several hours before you train, and it's just the norm. And I just can't help thinking now, it's like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be. Just because it's a quad double sport doesn't mean that it has to be so uh, abundant that your career cut short or you're in pain every time you train. I mean, I just i don't think that that's the answer. I don't think that's the reality. And I think it's, it's the reality that people have. On themselves, but I don't think it's the reality that it has to be. Um, so that's what I'm trying to really figure out and work towards, is, especially with some of my athletes and reducing some of their quad movements, incorporating more um, hip dominant movements. Um, and it's, you know, and they're not getting, it's not hurting them in the Olympic list, which is, you know, generally what you hear all the time. Well, oh, it's not specific enough. Um, which is another one of those things, which is why I ordered your other book, Transfer Training, and just the idea of transfer versus specificity just makes so much more sense as well.
0: Good to hear you use those words. Absolutely, it's it's a it's a it's the important concept. Specificity is a, a theory; transfer is reality. So, the only thing that matters is what's transferring. And, Transferring is not always predictable. specificity as a as a as a perception, it appears to be easy and, and predictable, but it's not. Like it's a it's a perception. That's where the functional training industry's done done some damage. Being able to claim that an exercise this is a functional exercise, well, we don't know what's going to happen until the end, end user adapts to it, and then what, how does it apply to their life or their sporting pursuit? So I'm pretty proud of you, Keith. Um, you know sometimes. And this is this is what I find with even elite athletes. Sometimes humans have to experience some hardships and some some limitations and and, and be at a point of some degree of desperation before they start emptying their cup and and saying, "Okay, I thought I knew. Um, obviously, what I'm doing is not working. Uh, let's 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 look at different ways." And that's that's where I think you're at. And the minute um, I heard about your training challenges, um, I was pretty excited to see how you would embrace uh, some of my ideas and how they would serve you. And it's 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 certainly, I know mean, you've got a long road ahead of you, but it's certainly coming through. It's certainly serving you well, and that's to your credit because you open your mind up to look at it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did. I and mean, you're right, I, you know, if I hadn't had those injuries, I don't know if I would have been as receptive to it as I am. I think I would have definitely gone through level zero, but, um, yeah, it... it, it like you said in uh, several times you know when you're, you're ready
0: the teacher will appear um uh, absolutely. absolutely and the other concept I, I i promote is that you learn more about injury prevention when you're coming back from the injury when you're peeling back the pain you learn more you get much more clear messages about what's working and what's not than when you're heading into the injury so when you're heading into the injury in, into the injury you're like the frog in the boiling water uh, you don't seem to notice the temperature change, but when when you're coming out of an injury, when you're at the depth of despair and you're in, in, in a lot of pain and you're doing things to, that are relieving the pain and, and and healing you, you really get clarity about, wow, so this is what it takes to be healthy. Now I understand why I got myself unhealthy in the first place and now I understand what I need to avoid with others to to ensure that we don't make them unhealthy. So whilst pain and injury is unfortunate, it's, it's, a, it's a gift to those who are willing to, to listen and learn because the lessons are so much clearer coming out and up from pain than they are heading into pain. Yeah, without a doubt. And I know you've experienced that firsthand. So the other thing that I like is that you're taking your responsibility as a coach seriously because whether we you know, injure ourselves or not, ultimately everything we do with another person is, is, is shaping them. It's taking them in a direction. And if we don't take that role seriously, then we basically, we're wrecking people. And, and most of, and I've been saying this in print for you know, over, t- over 20 years, most of what's done in physical preparation de-athleticizes people. It's causing more damage than good. So I I appreciate having people on the planet like yourself who say, yeah, maybe in the past some of the stuff I've done to myself and others wasn't the best. And I'm willing to look at it again, revisit it, review it, and say, I want to do the best thing for people rather than some dogmatic, you know, everybody does this, so just shut up, put your head down, lift that bar sort of attitude. Oh, yeah.
1: I've always tried to... You know, be as as, I guess. um, I don't say cautious. I guess is an all right word to use uh, with regards to my training. But you know, after looking at your stuff, you know, when I thought I was being cautious, there's still so many things I was overlooking. You just, you you know, I never. You just assume like, oh well, you know, I'm squatting as long as I'm squatting, you know, correctly or at least you know without. Severe deviations in form. Then I, you know, I'm I'm being intelligent. If I'm not letting people put themselves under loads that they shouldn't lift, I'm that's enough. But it's just it's not enough. I mean, it's just, there's so much more to how you coach and train and write programs that I, I just completely overlooked. And you know, it's, it's it's kind of frustrating looking back and thinking, damn, you know, there's so many things that people in bad places and you know so far I'd like to say I'm lucky but I, you know definitely made a, a 180 in how I'm training a lot of people with regards to a lot of those things um I, you know and it, with, the, with regards to injury, I don't want people to feel what I'm feeling and there's no excuse for somebody to go into a training program to get healthier and and come out the other side works off it, it's just there's just absolutely no excuse
0: and that's the crazy thing about it, because the intention of the end user is to improve their health, improve their performance, improve their function, and almost to almost 100%, they're coming out the other end worse off. And the, the, it's just a, an incredible era in our in our world, in, in, in the history of society, where more and more people are embracing physical training, and yet there's this blind um, or you know, a naive... Uh, Blissful unawareness of, of what's happened to their bodies, and it's creating a whole raft of injuries uh, that are, are the byproduct of a bite mark it. And I'm not sure if and when people are going to work it out. But as you said, there are so many decisions to be made in the, in the program design of a human being. It's just not about it's just not about technical form in the gym. It's you know, should you be doing that exercise at all? Should you be even doing strength training? There's just so many layers of decision making, and it's another area that, that for me is pretty mind-blowing because you know when i came in uh, professionally in the industry in 1980 and i started reading books uh, into the 1990s about um individualization of training so obviously the, the the earlier books there weren't there weren't any real textbooks in the 80s on strength training there were books written by practitioners um you know in the in the, in the 60s and 70s a few of them like the bill stars of the world and the bill pearls of the world were Reg Parks were, were, were writing, um, you know, Iron, Iron Man magazine, etc. But the textbooks didn't start coming until really the, the mid to late 80s and early 90s. And they started talking about individualization of programs. And so I said, yeah, but that's obviously, you know, we, we've got to do that. And I, I went down the path. Looking back now, nearly 40 years later, I haven't seen any uh, advances in individualization of programming decisions. Um, I, I don't know what your observations are, but Have you noticed the difference between, say, the approach I promote towards individualizing training decisions and what the masses are doing? And I'm talking about the professionals.
1: No, I mean, even my coach, who's a a very high level uh, Whitliston coach here in the United States, um, all of us followed the same program. Uh, And I was sort of a little odd, like, you know, we're all kind of different. but, But. you know, and people that would come out on the other side of the program would perform incredibly well and, and perform at very high levels. And, and you know, someone lifted at Worlds and, and the Olympics, but some a lot of us just minimal to no improvement. And this is, you know, in a, a top level coach that's not really putting anything into the individual person, especially, you know, in a sport like Olympic lifting. Um, and I see that. You know, I see everything as a cookie-cutter program now. I mean, there's apps and -and so-and-so makes programs that you can do for, you know, this and that, but they're all cookie-cutter programs. And who are they designed for and what are the risk factors of those programs? Are they even designed to to address your specific weaknesses or are they going to create more problems? And, yeah, I mean, it's just so pervasive now.
0: Well, considering it's, been, considering it's been 40 years, uh, I've been in the industry for 40 years, and I haven't seen any changes uh, at all in the individualization skill set, I'm, I'm not confident for our lifetime. But uh, on the flip side, you, you as a coach who develops those skills, you create demand forever uh, for your own services because people aren't all fools. Like, there are some discerning people in the world that they've got to be wondering listen I, I i don't take my car down to the down to the garage um with every car in my zip code and we all get the same service of the vehicles every one of our vehicles is individually uh, serviced uh, based upon the needs of the vehicle yet my body i go along to a group training session i do a group workout uh, surely that's not right so there's two sides to that there's there's a reality that the world's not moving too quick and the, and the people are getting hurt. But on the flip side, any coach who embraces and, and commits to developing the skill set to develop individualised programs has got a, a marketing advantage in in, in in terms of in the marketplace, the demand for their services. So I'm pretty optimistic for your future as a coach. Well, thank you. And so you're going to learn that. Um, Especially as you step forward further into the program, you get to the level three and four in Park City and it'll take you even, an, even another level further with our holistic approach to education, which is just one of the many things that makes us unique, makes us different. So... Yeah. Yeah, go ahead,
1: Keith. I, I was just thinking, you know, I, I've never come across... There are things that I, I thought I knew... Um, you know you know, I know I didn't know everything but just how I looked at them uh, and then after going through the three levels, there were the, the way I thought about things and, and the, the perspective that I had completely changed on something that I've held forever um, I'm trying to think of an example I can't right now but um, well, yeah I mean, just the, the way you the program the way you talked about some of the lessons and, and applied them and how you thought about them um, really changed my perspective on just simple things. Um, yeah, I wish you could think of an example right now. Well, I'll give
0: you an example. What what what, what about abdominal training and the and the sequence of abdominal training? That that would have been a bit of a shock there. I'm still that. I still am
1: blown away by that one. I uh, I didn't do any. I, I never did any abdominal training. I thought abdominal training was for. People want to have pretty abs, and but you know I always assumed you know if I got a load on my back, you know I'm doing heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, I don't need any abdominal training. Um, but I've realized now that just how incredibly weak my core is, and just the prioritizing just that alone, the, the idea of prioritizing things that you need to do, um, just blew me away, and you know and. and I think most people and most coaches, you know, stick abs at the end. You know, you're tired. You're, you're ready to go home. You, you think that your bread and butter was the heavy weight, so then you you just end up skipping probably the most important part of your workout for mm-hmm. most people, especially myself included. hmm Um. Yeah, that was that was, a,
0: that was a game changer, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I, I back in the early '80s, I I was like everyone else. You know, you do the abs at the end and. And then I worked it out pretty quickly, it didn't take me long because of the price I was paying for neglecting that area and and then I started to wonder why everyone else was uh, doing it then and, and I learned about these theories that you know, it, it'll weaken you and you you'll won't be able to squat as much and or you, the squatting will give you enough advantage. and all these other theories, when they don't seem to go away. So that's just one of the many examples, I'm, I'm sure. And they're, they're, not, they're not theories that I thought of one day because that would be a smart idea or I was trying to be sensationalist. Like, you know, I went out there and I paid the price. That's how I learned about them. And you're no different than um, you know, the squat versus leg extension debate. You know, the, the theories in the, when I entered the profession that squatting was bad and leg extensions were good. And you know, we'd go on for so many discussions. But I learned the hard way not to just believe the dominant paradigms of the era, but to question and to come up with my own conclusion based on my own experiences and my experiences training other people. And the majority of what I do is, is what people would say uh, counter-trend like, but it, I'm not trying to fight the trend. I'm just trying to do what's best. And if you have enough uh, commitment to get in there and get the experiences for yourself, and if you paid the price yourself and are generally committed to avoiding that price in other people, the answers are there, and it's just a matter of willing to be you know, go against the flow sometimes. I mean, you know, you, what you're doing now uh, as a result of the influences that you receive through the, our coaching education program, you probably position yourself where a, a lot of your colleagues would look at you and say, you know, what the hell are you doing, um, Keith? But I'm pretty sure that you, you're, you're confident of the rewards and you're not going to be put off by that um, conformity pressure. No, no. It, yeah, you,
1: you know, I, I also coach group classes and there's definitely some pushback to some of the stuff I do. Um, now in the group setting uh with individuals it's uh, there's not as much pushback um you know because i think the the results speak for themselves um the group training you know it's easy to get you know one person just has to say well you know this will make us weaker and then everybody just holds on to that information and isn't you know isn't, is receptive to the changes that can occur if they just sit back and let things
0: kind of unfold on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I encourage you to get into into individualized programming and individualized training as much as possible. Fantastic. So, any other thoughts that you want to share with us, Keith? Any other um, feedback? Uh, Any other reflections?
1: No. uh, I still probably... And
0: there's
1: still so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, there's
0: too much to profit. Yeah, I like that. I like that because you know if you're going to train an athlete, let's say you want to train an athlete from childhood to, to what a cradle to grave, which is a sociological term, or you know even from the multi-year mu- multi-year periodization, you know take an athlete from six to sixty, or you know even from six to thirty-six, which is you know not too many athletes competing at the Olympics post thirty-six. Now, that's a 30 year time period you've got to have the you've got to have the goods you've got to have the content you've got to have the progression you've got to have the the evolution of training that, that that can progressively improve a human being for a 30 year time period um, so what i've what i've developed today is 40 years of professional experience which has allowed me to test a lot of theories in the real world uh, come to a lot of conclusions uh train train athletes over you know multiple decades and now now into multiple generations there's so much to, to, for me to learn about the human body and this response to training, which is overlaid with the aging process, which is overlaid with, uh, you know, life, uh, demands on life, um, you know, demands from stresses from pollution and other lifestyle factors. There's so much learning that I'm excited to, to be on an educational path which creates continuity and then able to teach that continuity of, of, of information so that if you, you stay in the program you're just going to keep learning uh, more and more that that builds upon what you've already got I call it a seamless integration both in our information as well as our application in training everything we do needs to help everything else in training not not steal from it so with the, the, the way we stand is the way we we walk is the way we run is the way we sprint is the way we sidestep is the way we we jump etc etc so You're on a a, a long and rewarding journey from my perspective. uh, I've been involved in coach education since the early 80s, Uh, developed quite a few curriculums for different organisations before completely committing to our own exclusive uh, program, which was 20 years now in in, in existence and was one of the first, uh, if not the first, internationally available physical preparation educational programs available with a focus on making accessible globally at least in the early stages of its program before you have to go in person uh, as you will be when you come to the camp at level three so uh, you're in for a great journey many many years of of learning that will make you a better coach not just learning for the sake of learning but learning stuff that I only do stuff which serves and and that is rolled out continuously as you step through the levels and the th- the thing that I think uh, limits so many people is that they don't know what's possible. They think that that what they've got or what they've read in the guru's book or the internet marketer's book is uh, or website is is, the, is where it's at. When you get exposed to my high level coaches, for example, when you see me working, um, you can get a, a bit of a, a bit of an expansion of your mind about what's possible because the upper limits of performance as a coach are very high, but very rarely fulfilled and very rarely even seen, what I'm saying is that the masses in our industry don't even know how competent a person can be because they're so, so overloaded with, with, with particular internet marketing crap, they just don't understand the in-person competence that one can do. When you, so when you move in that, that level of competence, you're, you, know, you pick who you work with, you pick where you work, when you work, you know, it just creates a whole new different situation for you as a coach. And it's far more fulfilling when you know you're serving people of the highest and best interests and damaging them and looking back and saying geez I was damaging. So I'm excited for you Keith and I appreciate you being part of the program.
1: Well thanks sir. Thank you for everything you've, uh, you've you know contributed to the, to the industry and, and given us access to that information and, and sharing it with us. And I'm uh, eternally grateful for the things I've learned from you and look forward to learning more.
0: Well I appreciate that gratitude. But at the end of the day, no matter what I put out there it's only valuable if someone like yourself Embraces it. If someone like yourself empties your cup enough to take it on, and, uh, and that will never be the majority. That will only be the minority. But uh, we, we we change the world one person at a time, and impacting more and more people at the time. When when more coaches like yourself come on board, so we really appreciate not only your time today, but your support and, and involvement in the program. And looking forward to having you in Park City in August of 2020. Yes, sir. as well. Great stuff. We well, appreciate Keith. Chat. Yes,
1: sir. All right. sir.